The following is a fourth hand production. Jack the Tripper, a name synonymous with 70s physical comedy, he was a terror on the television airwaves. From Janet to Chrissy to Mr. Furley, he would. No, dude. Jack the Ripper, not the Tripper. I'm so sorry. I guess that new programming has turned me into an optimist. Here you meant something like this. Jack the Ripper, one of the world's most notorious killers, on this week's Hysteria 51. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that will never wrestle you off an airplane, but would love to just wrestle. <laughs> Hysteria 51. Wanna wrestle? <laughs> Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I am your most humble host. Thing about me that's so impressive is how frequently I mention all of my successes. John, go forth. <laughs> Along my side is my co-captain. Brent Hacksaw Hand. Oh, now, that's Brent, a new one. Brent, this week, United Airlines wrestled a 69-year-old grandfather off a plane so that one of the crew members could take his seat. Which brings us to the obvious question, what's the best wrestling finishing move you could use on a 69-year-old grandfather? Is it a powerbomb, a stone-cold stunner? Yeah, John, if you need to um, reaccommodate an old man, <laughs> I think there are a few go-to moves, but the number one I go to... The sharpshooter. The sharpshooter. Yeah. You know, it, tried it, and true. Tried true. It works best in an aisle. It lets everyone know you're in control, and then you can just drag them right by the feet. You then, after that, uh, after you drag them by the feet, then run down to the end. No, what I do is I have my brother uh, slide in off of the rafters and then fall to his death right next to the plane. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just dark. got dark. <laughs> that is sage advice, my friend. Sage advice. Also on this magic carpet ride is none other than the original reaccommodator, Conspiracy Bot. Seabot, when you need to get a grandfather to comply with your wishes, what's your go-to move? The arsenic. The arsenic? I, I'm not <laughs> sure I've heard of that one. Uh, whose move is that? Cold War spies. Pretty much anyone in an Agatha Christie book. Oh, and Cary Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I think you misunderstood the question. You can't actually mean to poison someone. Yes, I can. <laughs> that isn't even a wrestling move. It is if you try really hard and have access to your opponent's pre-fight meal. Brent, the extension cord is coming off. <laughs> and finally tonight, we are joined by none other than Robert Young Jr. Rob, you are a new addition to Hysteria Nation, but you're no podcast virgin. I understand that, among other things, you have a couple shows. Yeah, that's right. I actually do two podcasts with a couple of friends of mine. Vorpal Beats, the Vorpal Beats podcast. Both of them are available on iTunes. Uh, the Vorpal Beats podcast, general pop culture nonsense. Uh, we do a lot of video game podcasts. Um, and then Porn we reviews, actually have a wrestling kind of podcast. Speaking of all the wrestling you guys <laughs> are talking about, three-man tag podcast. So we talk about <laughs> wrestling and uh 
that kind of stuff. And by the way, I think the best move to get a a 69-year-old man off the plane is the one-winged angel, which is uh, (laughs) Kenny Omega from New Japan's finishing move. Kenny Omega, New Japan. (laughs) You know, three-man tag was a VHS tape that John had in college, but he'd never let anyone else watch it. I thought it was like some (laughs) underground wrestling thing, but he just kept it under his bed and said it was none of our business. So. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> well, that's going to check out the shows, and we appreciate you coming on. I'm not. I, I, I'm not interested. Well, no, it's what you say. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to either. <laughs> I, we're just supposed to say that we will. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Now, before we talk about Jack the Ripper, let's talk how we're getting ripped. You say it's a lexicon of libations. We call it a bulletin of booze. Either way, we're all getting pissed. Here's this week's Spirit Selections. I'm ready for tonight's episode. I've got some Bud Light on deck, followed by more Bud Light. Brought out my best. Well, at least you're consistent. Yeah, you go. John, what you got? And I'm consistent in responding that way because you drink the same damn thing every time. (laughs) Mm, I know what I like. I'm sipping on something pretty simple, Diet Mountain Dew and vodka. <laughs> Tito's vodka, to be precise, because that is the go-to flavor. That is my favorite vodka, and that is my Diet Mountain Dew. It's actually technically my Tito's it's, vodka, It's too. also your vodka, I mean. <laughs> it's your cup, it's your ice. Seabot, what you working with? A Cary Grant, arsenic, hairspray, and lots of gin. Oh, and of course, an olive. Well, that really sets it off. <laughs> you know, you can't. That's a dirty Cary Grant. Well, you know, that's like uh, they always talk about the flavors, the flavor notes. It, yeah. it really helps bring out the arsenic's flavor mm, when you pair it nothing, with an olive. Nothing pairs it than that little hint of pimento as you're yes, dying. Yes, <laughs> as you're dying. <laughs> Rob, what are you drinking? I'm a bit more sophisticated, gentlemen. Uh, I have a nice 12 year old bottle of Glenfiddich that I will be uh, working on <laughs> stumbling, during the podcast. Stumbling your way through. Stumbling, yeah. You know, so yeah. by break time, we're going to have to replace you, is what you're getting at. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. or, or pick you up. Well, it's it's yeah. that's a lot different than normally by break. I just want to replace you, Brent. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. <laughs> All right, kids. No hysteria hype this week. This show is chock full of ripper goodness. We ain't got time, so let's get started. It's time for the reason you came tonight, Jack the Ripper. John, hit us with some Reader's Digest on it. All right, from August seventh to September tenth, eighteen eighty eight. Jack the Ripper, also known as the Whitechapel Murderer and Leather Apron, terrorized the Whitechapel District in London's East End. And although this was only a threat to a very small section of the community, and also a relatively small part of London, the murders had a huge impact on the society as a whole. He killed at least five prostitutes and mutilated their bodies in an unusual manner, indicating that the killer had knowledge of human anatomy. Jack the Ripper was never captured and remains one of England's, if not the world's, most infamous criminals due to the unprecedented coverage in the media of that time and to this day. Yeah, who hasn't heard about Jack the Ripper? And everyone has that image in your mind of the the top hat wearing caped man with a probably a cane. You know, looks like a 70s street pimp, but with big mutton chops. <laughs> but you, you know you've made it as a serial killer when Judas Priest does a song about you, as you heard in our intro. <laughs> I mean, I know I know that's how I rate my life. I'm just waiting for Judas Priest to make the Brent Hand song, and then I know I've made it. Thank you, Conspiracy Bot. <laughs> so let's get a little bit of history for those of you who've, uh, I guess, lived under a rock since the 1880s. I don't know. And, and before we start, Rob, you are a bit of a ripper 
historian addict? Are you? Would you call yourself a ripperologist? I don't know if I'd call myself a ripperologist. I'm definitely fascinated by Jack the Ripper. But um, actually, my wife and I were in London uh, back in January, and I got a chance to actually take a Jack the Ripper tour through the East End. Got to see some of the actual areas where these things happen. Interestingly enough, though, pretty much all of the buildings are gone. There is actually one building that's still standing that the when when we get into it later, the message scrawled on the door jam in Gulston Street, that building actually still exists oh, no and shit. you can actually see it. Yeah, but the uh, the doorway is actually gone. It's been bricked <laughs> over and stuff. <laughs> One of the first places we went was uh, one of the like uh, courts and it's it's basically this weird park alley type deal now. And there's like skyscrapers like in the area. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little hard to imagine what it was like back then now. But the guy who arranges the tours, he actually wasn't the tour guide this time. My wife actually got to see him last year. But the guy who uh, arranges the tours is this guy named Donald Rumbelo, who uh, wrote, you know, one of the probably most well-regarded books on Jack the, the Ripper. Definitive and I've read, Ripper. I've read that book. Yeah. So could we say preeminent? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he's a former London police officer. Oh, so, so he's got some um, street he, cred. He's a Bobby. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, so I, that, I, that begs the most obvious question, you know, uh, everything you just told us while you were there, because those buildings aren't there anymore. Where did you take the prostitutes you picked up? <laughs> well, actually, I, I you know, I, I got money, so I took them back to a hotel. Oh, yeah. Not a yeah. good not a good one. Like, you know, like a, a, two a hostel. Yeah, right. You he know. paid his two pence and bent him over that rope that they used to have to sleep on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll get into that. That's literally a thing. So yeah. well done. Well done. And I, uh, you know, I asked you a tough question and you gave me a, a good answer. I appreciate it. Yeah. We're not used to that on this show. So well done is right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Ripper is synonymous with murders, everyone knows. The problem, I guess, with this story as you look back on it 100 plus years later is figuring out just how many of the crimes were actually done by quote unquote Jack. A lot yeah, of- a, a dead prostitute was not an uncommon thing. Sadly, in no, late not 1800s. At all. Like, oh, they, they called it an oopsie. We got another oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> A large number of attacks against women in the East End during the time adds uncertainty, as John said, to how many victims were actually by the same person because Whitechapel that time was a fucking shit show. What do we mean by that, John? And Rob, because you've taken the tour, paint a picture of Whitechapel in the 1880s. Why don't I give the 40,000 foot version? Yeah. And, and Rob can give us the nitty gritty. <laughs> he, he smelt it. So, yeah, he can he can <laughs> dial it in. It, it, it was a bunch of factories and slaughterhouses. Which uh, slaughtered a lot of uh, horses. That's and be- fun. And because there wasn't a ton mm, of horse meat. Yum. Yum. <laughs> there weren't Chinese food restaurants, though, so that's, <laughs> that's weird. true. Um, because their mass transit wasn't a huge thing yet, and they needed people to work in all these factories, they all lived right where they worked. And so it was the poorest of the poor immigrants. There was a lot of Irish immigrants. There was a lot of Jewish immigrants, immigrants living all on top of each other. Nobody had any money. It's uh, everyone was drunk. Prostitutes everywhere. Prostitution at the time was legal as long as it was the transaction was conducted inside a, a, a somewhere like you couldn't just, you know, fuck somebody in the streets. Yeah. But well, although the they reason did. being is at that time, there was no real jobs for women. So that's – it was so poor. What, cooking and, these, and cleaning well, hadn't been invented yet? N- people didn't have a fucking house for you to cook and clean it. And the <laughs> I thing love is, you, honey. No. 
everyone um everyone needed place to stay so there was these fop houses whatever you want to call them where you could go in you could pay a few coins and like you could get a bed or you could get a bed for two people and then they literally when i was talking about that rope they for two pence they had a rope and you could lean against it and try to sleep at night and they they figured at any time in Whitechapel during that time there's over eight thousand people sleeping in these these little flop houses. That flop is, house also Brent's nickname in high school. That is true. Now you said two pence. Uh, that reminds me of the band Two Pence None the Richer. Yeah, two pence. That's what it was called. <laughs> Kiss me. <laughs> that's where they got from. <laughs> What's that? I said that's where they got that from, yeah. you know. And they surprisingly, <laughs> two pence none the richer, very deep into you know the Ripper mythos. <laughs> you, wouldn't think, you wouldn't think it from their music, but yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. So there, there was the hidden the messages in there. What, what else is there to to Whitechapel that we're missing? Anything at all? So I actually have the 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 Don Rumbelow book, and there's two things that uh, he he gets. One of them is is actually pulled from something else, a thing called Tales of the Mean Streets, and it talks about the people in Whitechapel, and it says that um, and the 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 uh, East End is a place says says another, which is given over to the unemployed, and the unemployed is a race whose token is a clay pipe and whose enemy is soap. Reminds me of Go Forth. <laughs> and so if that gives you any idea of what that area of London smelled like or looked like, uh, that's 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 a good indication. The other thing is, is he writes the population of Whitechapel at the time was about 80,000 people. And the East End as a whole was about 900,000. So you're talking about in a very small area because, you know, having been there, you kind of get a sense of, um, you know, what the the geography is like. It's it's a little bit, um, you know, you're a little bit detached if if you don't, you know, kind of haven't been there. But. Um, it's not a big area. The East End of London isn't this vast. So it was packed with people. It's yeah. I mean, it's on top of people, the. Uh, tenement houses and just you know slums and everything it was awful i mean the first the first third of of the book rumbelow's book on jack the ripper is basically given over to describing what Whitechapel was like uh or in, in the east end in general was like back then painting a beautiful because, picture i kind of wish that yes. yelp reviews were written in that such beautiful prose <laughs> human feces abounds <laughs> yeah I went to this restaurant. Yeah. It was, my, my waiter was a bearded millennial, and yeah. so, soap was his enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the murders. A lot of people will say that that Jack the Ripper murdered five people, and that's I, who knows. There were so many murders that we talked about, and it should be remembered that this is based upon later statements. They were made in like 1894, and that's not by any means a definitive number. In fact, they have the Whitechapel murder file, and in that murder file, they list 11 victims stretching from the 3rd of April, 1888, to the 13th of February, 1891, and for one reason or another, all those have been attributed at one point in time to Jack the Ripper, though some of those I do not believe. But somebody got together at some point and said, these five yeah. are the canonical five. Which what we a find, fun word, we, canonical. We use it over and over. And all the, on Whenever it's we talk canon. about these murders, yeah, <laughs> because just like with the Zodiac Killer and, and just like with so many others, they don't know for sure how many yeah. victims there were. So we're talking about these canonical five. John, why don't you describe these women to us? Let us know who they were. Rather than going through and telling you each sad story, I think there are a few things I can say about all of them that just kind of do justice, yeah. if you will, to yeah. all of them. They all were 
um, I'm not going to say alcoholics, but had a bit of a problem with the sauce. Yeah. And that, and, and in many cases, that led to their prostitution. Most people have no problem saying they were alcoholics. So. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Everyone calls them prostitutes. And yes, they were prostitutes in the sense that they sold their body for money. But it wasn't like they set out for prostitution to be their job. Some did, some didn't. Some were Correct. just known to take a take an offering. They're, they, you know, their husband divorced them because they yeah. were drunks and they need places to sleep and they need they need booze and they need food. And how are you going to pay for that? Yeah. Well, if I go out and sell a little ass, I can get booze tonight. <laughs> I can get somewhere to sleep. You, you know, know that that's a tip that that you know kind of. Rings reverberates to through the ages. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Damn right. So we got the five names are Mary Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Kelly. So these were all committed between the 31st of August and the 9th of November in 1888. So a very short amount of time that these all happen. Those are the ones that are attributed, but not the only ones in the file. There's two other victims that predate the first one, Mary Nichols. Uh, there was Emma Smith, who was attacked on April 3rd of 1888, and she later died of her wounds. And that's one that they kind of want to throw on him. But she stated, and other people stated, that she was gang-raped by multiple people. Uh, so I I don't see how they can, can pin that on the river. But. Don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. It's a little dramatic. Uh, and then on August 7th of 1888, a body of Martha Tabern was found in George Yard. She suffered 39 stab wounds to her throat, neck, and abdomen. So there's a couple things about that. A lot of people will say, like, this was his warming up. This was his test one. So you could say that this was him because her throat had been cut, but she'd not been disemboweled. Uh <laughs> That's exactly right. Injuries were almost all the canonical five would later endure were disembowelment. She did not. Right. And thank you, Conspiracy Bot, for that sound because she was stabbed. The canonical five weren't yeah. stabbed. But her throat was cut. She was stabbed in the abdomen, just like all the others that Ripper did. So a lot of people say this was like his first one. Like he was he was he was learning his trade or, or warming up. I don't even know why they bother with uh the first one you just read off. Yeah, three people. Uh, there was three people, and she said so before she died. Yeah, Emma Smith said, I was raped by a gang. You know, a lot of this goes back to, and Rob, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, a lot of this goes back to the press at the time attributing everything they could to the Ripper to to sell more newspapers. It doesn't even have to be right. at the time. Like, look at, like, the Zodiac Killer or anyone else. Sex sells and so does murder. If it yeah. bleeds, it leads. Yeah. <laughs> the, the canonical five are... The five, because of the manner in which they were murdered, you mentioned it, the, the, the how they were treated. That's why they're, those five are attributed and the sensationalism at the time, because like you said earlier, the dead prostitutes was not a new thing. But the manner in which they were murdered was so sensational at yeah. the time. You know, you're talking about Victorian England, where it's very, very reserved. <laughs> uh, what, everyone what spoke that? like that. Everyone everyone spoke like that. Oh. Oh. Indubitably. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they all wore monocles? Yes. And these areas, you know, because they were so densely populated uh, with people, like – the, you know, gory, gruesome details were known immediately to so many people in the area, even if it wasn't for the newspapers, the people in the area just telling other people because yeah. these and murders took place in public areas for yep. the most part. Grab him by the pussy. That's exact. that he would have fit in greatly. <laughs> he would have. Oh, man. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 
That's what we're saying Ooh. about the way the bodies were treated, correct? Yeah. So what's that? There's a definite. That's the way the the bodies were treated. That's one way to say. There's a definite mo to the the Ripper and what he did. So speaking of his mo, grab him by the pussy. Brent, tell us a little <laughs> bit about said mo. All right. So he struck only in the early hours and morning on weekends. I looked up every date. It was either yeah. a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday. Yeah. So what's that suggest? couple things he was probably single because everyone knows you're not out murdering when your wife's nagging on you what are you doing out of that late at night why is there blood all over you where's my knife (laughs) 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 there's also a thing that says he was probably employed during the week because he didn't murder during the week you got to get your shut eye and then you murder on the weekends uh once Laid carefully on the ground, these are his victims, the Ripper would cut the victim's throat, beginning with a side facing away from him, and drain the blood out. That way, you do that, you don't get blood all over you as you're dicing them up. Then he would cut them open, sometimes remove organs, he'd splay them out. So this, two things that tells you, A, he was right-handed because of the way he cut, and number two, it suggests he probably had some knowledge of anatomy well uh, the whole right-handed thing i take issue with just because it was cut that direction i mean you you have to know what direction the person was approaching was they were they behind them were they in front of them true true. i I, I mean that's but they even still do that to this day they can tell by looking like how deep it went like what hand they were using so but I, i know great point but we're talking about a scotland yard that back then wasn't exactly known for their fi- their fine police work. <laughs> yeah, must be right-handed. Yeah. That's blood, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they literally didn't know the difference between animal blood and human blood. Yeah, that's true. Despite their sort of keystone cop, you know, level of, <laughs> of ability true. in terms of police work, Scotland Yard was still considered the preeminent law enforcement you know body in on on earth at the time you know they they were doing things that other you know that other police forces were were copying and stuff and yet they still you know like you guys are saying it's just you know like oh yeah uh, he's right-handed because you know uh you know left-handed people couldn't do this or so you know they they base things on that kind of stuff right i'm a scientist I don't believe in anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's the science that they use. Well, outside of the whole right-handed and the ideas that he knew about anatomy, they figured he was between 25 and 35 years old. They also figured that he was a medium height and stocky build based on some people that had thought they had seen him. People that saw the the dead prostitute of choice moments somebody before, yeah moments before the 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 body was found yeah they also believe that jack was a resident of whitechapel and more chillingly that he was this is the word they use frighteningly normal as opposed to the raving drooling fiend that had been you know the papers were were calling him they're calling him a monster and they figured this guy was just blending in and killing out of opportunity a resident of whitechapel also referred to since then as london's version of Skid Row. Skid Row, that's right. <laughs> so, in, in, I like this, though. Later, 100 years later, 1988, the FBI created a psychological profile for Jack the Ripper. And I'm going to read that to you guys. Special Agent John Douglas concluded that the Ripper was an opportunistic killer. He preyed on alcoholic prostitutes because they were easy targets. Douglas also believed that the well, I Ripper... I guess he, he was okay with calling them alcoholics. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Douglas also believed that the Ripper committed other crimes which were never definitively attributed to him. Jack was a lust killer, meaning that the focus of his ritual mutilations was the female genitalia. This doesn't mean Grab that the, by the pussy. <laughs> this doesn't mean that the murders were sexual. There's no evidence actually that he engaged in sex at all with the victims before or after the murders, although the agent believes Jack frequented prostitutes. Rather, the mutilations suggested that he was acting out violent fantasies aimed towards his mother of all people. His mother likely provided the image Jack had of women, one which he came to despise. She may have been an alcoholic and possibly a prostitute herself. So what do we learn about that? Don't be a douchebag to your kid or he might kill people. I think that's, I think that's the best thing we've learned. As soon as I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is punch your mama in the mouth. <laughs> So we're going to go to break real quick. When we come back, we're going to get into the investigation of Jack the Ripper. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, That's on brand for us. I, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it, so... It's very high on pronunciation, too, so <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do, and then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years, and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we wanted to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're 50% oh. off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. 
So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And we are back on Hysteria 51. Hope you went and got some snacks, maybe some popcorn, or enjoying this trip down memory lane. This hilarious, hilarious episode on Jack the Ripper. Come and knock on our door. Come and knock on our door. Conspiracy pot you obviously don't understand still. <laughs> Bullshit. I was making a joke. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. It's not funny. <laughs> So he literally puts in his own laughs yeah, if, his own if laugh we don't track. find it. I laugh at my own jokes. He inserts laughter for his. Yeah, well, <laughs> everybody's got a hobby. So let's get into the investigation. There was an underlying suspicion of who the the Ripper was, and that was everyone. They literally was like, you're the Ripper. No, you're the Ripper. People thought everyone, his neighbors, were turning in one another for suspicious activity. Like, I saw him outside smoking. I know he just killed somebody, but pretend I just said that in a perfect English accent. And that was. Well, come on, you're really good at accents. Give it to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He fucking killed him. <laughs> that's my speed buggy. That's the, no, only, the that's other one. You have one other accent. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm fucking British. He, uh, he 86th that twat. <laughs> but I eat a blood sausage. Oh, oh. Aluminium, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so mobs would gather and try to lynch people suspected of being Jack. And that's always the best thing to do is just crowd around. Pitchforks, yeah. torches, the whole deal. That let's guy looks news. shifty. Let's hang him. You yes. know, hysteria. That word sounds familiar. Hysteria was fueled by the press, which described the Thank killer. Thank you, conspiracy bot. Always keeping a, an eye out just for that word. <laughs> right. So the press, as we had we had spoke of earlier, Describe the killer as some monster or monsters in human form and the murders a frightful katina of slaughter. So everyone is. I don't like, even know what that means. It means you got a fuck ton of people packed in a little area and they're scared shitless and the papers are just fucking pushing the buttons of of the society. Robot. Robot. 
wait a second, conspiracy bot. Why would a frightful katina of slaughter all of a sudden spur you to play that? Don't try to box me in, man. I need to spread my party wings. So another thing outside of the papers, you know, fueling this was there were letters written and sent to private residents, to newspapers, to police, when claiming say, to be Jack the Ripper. And when we say letters, we mean fucking letters. 400. 400 yeah. is, is, a, yeah. A, yeah, is one of the, the numbers that they claim. One there's of only the, two that really that anybody thinks might be worth a shit. The From Hell letter and the Dear Boss letter. So let's talk about the Dear Boss letter. Uh, it assigned the name Jack the Ripper. That's why it stands out, because it says, hey... Here's my name and that one because before hugs and kisses Jack the Ripper. Well, beforehand, before that they were calling him the the Whitechapel Killer or the uh, Leather Apron. And a little known fact, Tootsie. They called him Tootsie <laughs> as well. And Tootsie, uh oh, Tootsie's coming for you. <laughs> it contained a cryptic reference to the killer, <laughs> and also this letter. Contained references to the killer being a member of the police force. And another letter that we talked about, the From Hell letter, which sent a piece of a human kidney, which was believed to be that of Catherine Eddowes, but never was proven to be hers. But she had had her kidney removed. And then he sent that one and said, mm, I ate the rest of it. Uh, back to the Dear Boss letter real quick. One other note on that. It said, in my next victim, I'm going to cut off their ears so you know it's me. The next victim did have part of the earlobe cut off. And that's kind of a stretch a little it's, bit. It, it could be. You're right. I mean, it's not. I mean, you're doing a lot of cutting and stabbing or not stabbing a lot of cutting and slicing and ripping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, an ear could certainly just get cut along the way. But that's one of the reasons it was given right. a little credence. So you got these letters coming in. You got the, the papers. Everyone's in a, uh, an uproar. Enter the police. You got a couple different precincts that are looking into this. And just like we see today, what do these precincts do? Well, they engage in territory disputes, don't want to talk amongst themselves. And they high ranking officials were criticized in the paper and by the other precincts as incompetent. I'm really having so, deja vu from the Zodiac. Killer. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Really interesting about this. There's, there's actually two police forces that would have handled uh, two like separate police forces right. that would have handled this. Uh, the Metropolitan Police, which covers Metropolitan London. And then there's a very small area within London called the City of London. And they actually have a completely separate police force. Right. And uh, a lot of times they would engage, like you said, in like territory battles where if they found a drunk close enough to the border of the city of London, the Metro police would push the drunk into the city of London and vice versa. And one of the murders actually took place uh, out. I believe it was there was some argument of whether it took place outside the city of London or was um, or within the city of London. But that the other jurisdiction was the one who ended up performing the autopsy mm -hmm. and completely botched it. And then in terms of the the uh, incompetence of the high ranking police officials, um, like I was saying earlier, the there was graffiti attributed to the Ripper written in Golston Street in a door jam mm -hmm. in chalk that said uh, the Jews, and that's spelled J-U-W-E-S, yeah. are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. And the there are so many double negatives in there. I can't even follow what that said. <laughs> right. Um, and the and the uh, commissioner actually of the city of London went to that that area and washed that evidence away. 
Well, uh, because as they were you afraid, do. They, they yeah. were they were afraid it would start a race riot. Right. Yeah. So and anti anti semitism was rampant at that time. Oh, yeah. And and uh, the big thing in Whitechapel too was that was an area where a lot of people escaping the pogroms in Tsarist Russia were yeah. going to. So there was a lot of um, xenophobia yeah. uh, towards people from Eastern Europe because you know they didn't necessarily speak the language. Mm-hmm. So very similar to kind of maybe what we're seeing a little bit now. I have no idea so. what you're talking about. I don't. I don't. Not in my America. Xenophobia. <laughs> not my president. Not my. What is that? That's a foreign. That's a foreign word. I think that has something to do with pussy. the. I think it has something to do with the movie Alien. Like you're scared of the the, the xenomorphs. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's what xenomorph. it is. I guess to say those police like modern forensic investigation techniques is a little bit of an understatement, uh, but they did. You know, oh that the the Ripper wrote that. Let's just wipe that down. We don't want anyone to see that. You know, <laughs> you don't worry about fingerprints or anything over here. Nothing to worry about. Those don't even exist. Yeah, don't no, nothing to worry about. The inability to apprehend anyone led to the formation of local vigilante committees, as we talked about, like just they, the people were out for blood and the investigation eventually reached such desperation that police began removing Whitechapel's mentally ill residents and committed them to asylums under the premise that the murderer must be a madman. We're going to get everyone out of here and it's going to, it's going to stop this happening. Get rid of all the crazies. That'll yeah. be fine. By brand. They're fucking grasping at straw. We've learned with all the serial killers that have happened since then that oftentimes the craziest of the crazy serial, when I say crazy, I mean yeah. uh, serial killer, like how, how, how like Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. they come off to the rest of the world as very normal. Yep, just making chocolate. Nothing <laughs> to see. Here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess I guess one thing to, to to tie this in is like, what did they do wrong, and what should they have done? Right, it's not like it. they were going to do DNA analysis. Yeah. They couldn't have done that, yeah. but they could have done things <laughs> that were available of that day. Yeah. Or, or, so. One of the things that they did that um, the tour guide was talking about that she found very amusing was that the police would try to do undercover stings and they would dress male police officers up as female prostitutes. However, at that oh, time, um, they <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, except that they would not uh, make the officer shave. So there's a prostitute standing on one side of the street with a full beard, you know, trying to beckon on, you know, a possible ripper. Works for me. And and it was things like that that they just, you know, like the maybe the thought process was there, but the execution was just sorely, sorely lacking. I don't know. Brent told me that the only prostitutes he'll pick up have beards. (laughs) (laughs) That your prostitutes are beards. Yeah, that's uh, I plead. I plead the fifth. (laughs) <laughs> I plead, one, two, three, four, fifth. <laughs> I, so the, the, they obviously weren't doing a great job by luring him out. No, and, and that's the thing. Like, what could they have done to catch him? Well, number one, work together. So you have all these people fighting against one another in, in these different, um, uh, I, I, I guess you want to say police precincts. Number two, you don't want to, to silence the media work with them. And I, you know, I don't know how, how well they could have done that at the time, but for Christ's sake, man, like, well, I, I mean, think about the tactics they were using. I mean, I understand Rob, you said that they were thought of as the preeminent police force. 
That's mm-hmm. hard to believe when you consider the tactic that you just described sounds more like something out of a bad episode of Scooby-Doo. Sykes! Right? <laughs> than, but it, it, than something it, it, the police force should be doing. But if that tells you a lot, because the interesting part about the Metropolitan Police Force especially was um, compared to some of the other police forces because if you're talking about the 1880s and stuff uh, the idea of a professional police force is still not a widely accepted uh, idea throughout oh, that's a the good world point. Uh, you know so the idea that the Metropolitan Police Force was a quote unquote professional police force that these officers were uh, you know paid police officers that was their job was kind of a new concept and that's what lended this credence that they were you know this amazing you know force of of justice out there when in reality you know these guys there's not like they're going to police academies or things like that (laughs) you know they're they're kind of learning things on the fly to be honest and this music is in the background thank you conspiracy (laughs) bot mahoney <laughs> All right. So, you know, there's so much more. We need to get into suspects. We need to get into who we think we did. And we're going to actually say that for next week. This is going to be a kind of a shorter episode this week because there's so much to talk about with Jack the Ripper. So let us know what we missed this week. What, what, what did you think? Did you think that those police were doing a bang up job and we're just idiots? John, how can they let us know? They can let us know through social media. Never heard of it. What's that? It's media, but social. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Insightful, I know. Uh, you can find all of our social at hysteria51.com or just search for us on your favorite social media platform. Also, most importantly, I think, our Facebook discussion page, which is growing by leaps and bounds. Hysteria Nation, join the chat. As soon as you listen to this episode, get on Hysteria Nation and tell us what you think. Get on Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. It'll pop right up there. Click on it and let us know your thoughts. Most importantly, do us a favor this week. Open up that computer. Head on over to iTunes and give us a review. Now, you have to click on five stars. It's uh, it's actually against the law not to. <laughs> That's the way it works. But then, then you can write whatever you want. You can tell us about how Brent's feet stink. You can tell mm. us about how Rob was a terrible guest. Or you can tell us about how insightful and brilliant John was. Any of the above <laughs> are acceptable. We'd like to actually point out one that we really uh, – we just got. We really appreciated from Amy in Oklahoma who wrote – this circle jerk of man love and sissy drinks is surprisingly in-depth and insightful. Esoteric topics, quick-witted hosts and an evil yet lovable robot make this an easy listen. Although the humor level is usually set to pubescent teenage boy, the liberal sprinkling of movie and music sound bites helps to create an overall fantastic podcast. Well said, Amy. Uh, anyone can use circle jerk, pubescent teenage boy, and it's a positive? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that is impressive to say the least. And I thought we'd get through an episode without at least alluding to to uh, pedophilia. <laughs> Rob, thank you a ton for being on this week. You were our our go to man. You've actually walked in walked in the steps of the killer. What what do they call that tour? The the Ripper tour or the. Uh... Uh, it's honestly, I don't know. My wife found it. It's a part of the historical London walks. There's like, they do a bunch of different ones, but that one they do. And the great thing is they do it at night too. So obviously they oh, add so, to the, yeah. the mystery of it. The but the funniest part of the whole thing is that as we were on our Ripper tour, there are competing Ripper tours <laughs> that are also going on at the same time. So don't make uh, eye contact with those losers. in that area at any time, there's, you know, three or four tours going on. And apparently the locals hate it oh, and, yeah. and and they so there's certain areas that they tell you like don't go to this area because the the people 
who live there, they're not very happy about it. When you see another tour, do you start snapping, kind of bending down a little bit, maybe get out a switchblade? Yes. Oh, yeah. There was definitely a street fight. I mean, uh, you know, I took I took out a couple of uh, Japanese tourists. They came at me with karate, but I'm Korean style. So with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. I have been Rob. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.